Greetings, fellow seekers, and welcome to our humble place of refuge. We're here to provide you with zany yet thoughtful and passionate takes on a variety of things from the world of arts and entertainment. These are things that help us get through the grind called life. Art rules and commerce sucks. Don't let the marketplace tell you what to consume. Let us. Will you vouch? Let's find out. Join us now for Secret Sources of Sustenance. Welcome back to another episode of Secret Sources of Sustenance. This is Ben here with Bob. Hello, Ben. And Bob, I got to tell you, um, it is nice just to uh, be able to have a, a conversation with a, another adult, let alone uh, a male adult. I have been here all week uh, with the kids while my wife has been in Seattle for work. So this is uh, this is appreciated. Yeah, no, I uh, you were telling me about that before the show. Uh... I feel, I feel your pain. I, I've never gone a whole week. I've gone close when the kids were smaller. But, yeah, it's it's not bad, but it's just like, it's it's literally single parents. I mean, all the credit in the world. Oh, my God. You, it's it's like another job. I mean, you come home. It's it, it, Oftentimes, it's harder, in my opinion, if, you're, if you've got both kids for, because you're figuring out school, when you're picking them up, when you're taking them, do you have the lunches made? Yep. Who's going to pick them up for you? Can your mom pick them up for you? No, you're going to have to leave work. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, insane. I mean, it's only been, uh, three days, so I don't want to be too, too melodramatic about it, but, uh, it has seemed like every, every second of my day has been accounted for and I don't really stop moving until both kids are in bed and sound, sound asleep, which is, that just happened like 10 minutes ago. Right. right. <laughs> so. And, and we're right here in the house, folks. Don't worry. We're not. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have not abandoned the children. Yeah, we didn't leave. <laughs> we didn't come over to my house. <laughs> They're sleeping safely uh, upstairs. So, um, so hey, before we jump into the topic today, and, and we got a doozy, right? We're going to yeah. do Dead Man's Shoes, um, which it sort of reminded me of that old adage that uh, one of the, the purposes of uh, art is to comfort the disturbed and more importantly disturb the comfortable and uh pretty pretty disturbing movie i guess yeah. kind of in the best sort of way um yeah we'll get we'll get we'll get, we'll get into yeah. it um before we do though um want to do it uh, introduce a new segment if it's okay with you well yeah i don't care so we'll call this one cleanups feedback and follow-up all right so it'll make sense as we get into it here in terms of the cleanups just wanted to make some corrections from the last episode um, this is no big deal to anybody but me, but I, I said that my aunt, when she worked at budget rent a car, rented a car to the ultimate warrior. She texted me and corrected me and said, no, it wasn't me. It must've been your uncle Kenny Did who also, who also worked out? there. No, actually I didn't have a, a chance to reach okay. out to uncle Kenny, but it had to be uncle Kenny. It was some, See, one of them. Be another wrestler. So I was getting ready to like, no, it was ultimate warrior. It just, so which it was, family, it which it was the ultimate warrior. I was like the biggest Ultimate Warrior fan, probably more than, yeah, more than Hogan. And um, so I definitely remembered that. For some reason, I attributed it to her, but it must have been him who also worked there. 
Um, and then the band, uh, them crooked vultures. I think I refer to them as they might be vultures. I think you I just, of they might be giants. Yes. I kind of mad. Yeah. I was thinking of, they might be giants. No big deal there. Um, Rick Rubin. Um, one time you referred to him as Paul Rubens. Oh my gosh. Pee- that's Pee-wee so Herman. Herman. Um, I'm sorry. And then, uh, Gary Shandling's older brother was Barry Shandling. So his parents oh named the, the boys Gary and Barry, and they both had two R's right in the middle. So that's why Gary Shandling, why Gary is, is uh, spelled G-A-R-R-Y. I, always, I didn't know that. I always wondered that. Yeah, it's just because he had, he had a brother who was slightly older than him, but that brother died of cystic fibrosis when Gary was, was 10. I couldn't remember what it was he right. died of on the, right. the last one. And then lastly, in the cleanups uh, section, uh, that Sound City... Uh, documentary about the um, the uh, recording studio Sound City yes. we were talking about yes, it. Yes, yes. Um, the one you briefly. were recommending that I that I bought. Yeah, you I should watched. check it out. Um, um, just because in '69 Neil Young recorded there, recorded um, after the Gold Rush, and then in the '70s he recorded there. I think on multiple occasions with the Crazy Horse, but Fleetwood Mac recorded Rumors there. Tom Petty, one of your favorites, recorded there. Nirvana, one of my favorites, recorded there. Red Hot Chili Peppers recorded there. And the soundboard that was so special at this place was called a, a Nev 8028. It was one of only four in the world. Uh, it was um, put together by this English electronics engineer named Rupert Nev, and it had like 28 inputs, 1,084 EQs, no automation whatsoever. And the people that owned Sound City back in the late 60s paid 75K this for this thing and so it was like oh this state-of-the-art deal that'd be like half a million dollars probably in today's dollars to, yeah yeah but still check out that documentary wow. absolutely um in terms of feedback so uh i have a, f- a friend of the family this was like one of my dad's best friends uh when my dad was still alive and they worked together at wolverine aluminum uh that's how they first got to know each other when they were young men on the assembly line but he's been listening to the show sending us compliments um so he said uh Hi, Ben and Bob. I just got done listening to your excellent podcast while putzing outside. And I've come to the conclusion that both of you should have been born around 1950. You would have been huge stars on the Riff, which is a Detroit radio show up there, um, or any evening or late night radio uh, stations, especially when newly sprung employees tooled home and their VWs as pot fumes eased out or their partially open hand cranked windows. You both have perfect voices. So you see, you shouldn't shouldn't be paranoid. Well, he's he's lying <laughs> um, there, but I appreciate everything he's saying. <laughs> as well as lovely rapport with each other. Combine that with some very thoughtful introspection and amazing analysis, and I only see good things coming your way. Rock on, young friends. Um, so thank you, Mr. Bill, for the compliment. Absolutely, thank you, Bill. He uh, he wrote a song about my my dad who had, had a nickname, and I don't know why my dad had had this nickname, but I did hear it uh, from time to time. My dad's nickname was Mr. Toad, so he wrote this song called The Ballad of Mr. Toad, recorded it on uh, YouTube, so I think I'm going to sneak it in towards the end of the show as a yeah. little Easter egg, yeah. uh, probably after the outro song, um, so look for that later. Um, in terms of some other feedback, Phil listened to the Avid Brothers show, right? Your yes, friend Phil. yes, and then yes, Phil yes, had, yes, yes. Phil had a, uh, uh, a comment yes. about <laughs> the Avid Brothers, so, so tell... Tell us what Phil had to say so, about the so, Avid Brothers. Uh, so Phil had to say he, he goes <laughs> when it, when he was listening to it he said they, their music sounds like it belongs in a Kraft macaroni commercial. <laughs> What's 
<laughs> what? I think what? it's like the families, you know, coming around the table and like eating the macaroni. Yeah. And, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. And fittingly, you know, a little cheesy. Yeah. Well, that uh, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So what, do you know what song he was listening to when he said that? You know, I haven't, I, sadly enough, I need to actually talk with him about that, but uh, I did gave, I gave him the ha ha. Uh, over text because he was he was texting me all of this stuff. That's funny. Well, because I full disclosure before I recorded with you, I, I actually did uh, talk to him about like, man, I, I I don't know how to go about this because like it was after that first listen, I was like, I mean, my ears are bleeding on, on, <laughs> right. on a lot of this stuff. And right. Then, as you know, I powered through and we we got past that, but uh, yeah. So and and actually, um, it was funny because he. He told me that uh, – actually, I texted him, and he was like, funny enough, I'm running some errands, and I'm just finishing the last episode of your podcast. Okay. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. I didn't – you know, that, that was cool. So, yeah, I guess uh, I guess he and a few other people are listening, so. That's good. Thank you. Um, Thank you to all the listeners. Yeah, I think based on uh, the, the metrics there in Anchor, I think we have around 50 listeners. I but I don't know how accurate that is because some of the demographics seem a little skewed based on some people that I know are listening to it. So yeah, but you know what? We're just we're kind of just getting our, our feet under us. So. True, true. Um, so anyway, thanks for the feedback, both the positive feedback, Mr. Bill, and the negative feedback, Phil. That's okay. <laughs> Phil, I just want to tell you, buddy, you should open your heart. And I am completely comfortable in my my fandom when it comes to that band. You have, uh, you know, Judd Apatow and. Um, Rick Rubin and me on one side, and then yeah. you have you know Phil and Bob on the other. Yeah. And I can live with that. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but but even even you even you could understand like what that's that's why I, that's why I'm glad the way that it went the way that it went. Um, like, and I mean that's one. I mean I think we're both like that. Is yeah. We're not above making fun of things that we like or saying hey I understand why people sure don't get sure. It's part of the fun. Right? Yeah, Phil. And I know Phil is enough to know that he's a music snob. And I, I knew that he was going to have an opinion, like one way or the other. I'm curious to see if he liked uh, No Hard Feelings. I know you, you really liked that I song. did really like that. Um, I'm curious to know if Phil yeah. did. And I, I'm curious to know if uh, your wife, you made your wife listen no, to I him. No, I need to. And see what she I, thought. I, have, I just haven't had a, a good moment to... Yeah. I, I need to get on or like on a drive or the kids are gone. Which I don't know if that, you know. Yeah. I need, I need to make that. Yeah, maybe a weekend getaway. Not that those, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time my wife and I actually did that. Yeah, we are going to a Royals game soon by ourselves, so that'll be nice. That counts. That counts. Yeah. Like, if there's no kids, it counts. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then in terms of follow-ups, um, you know, that next night after we recorded and we talked about uh, music documentaries, spent a lot of time talking about that. Uh, there was that premiere of that Tina Turner documentary, Tina, on uh, on HBO the very next night. And I, I loved that. It was yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and I you know I didn't know uh, I knew about the whole Ike Ike. But not the not the intimate details. Well, I didn't know kind of her origins before that that she was uh, born. Her name was Anna Anna Mae Bullock. Her parents were like um, I guess sharecroppers and basically abandoned her when she was a kid. I think it was Tennessee where she grew up and she lived with her grandma until her grandma died, and then she had to go back and live with her mom. But if the the home life situation was a mess and, and she saw Ike as this kind of like way out of this crappy situation. And, well, um, he knew it too. and he knew it too. And he took advantage of that. And, um, he's the one that gave her the name Tina Turner, right? Like without her, what, without even talking to her about it, gave it to her. 
And then, you, you know, obviously you, you, everybody knows he was really abusive and just, um, He's a horrible human being. Horrible human being. Um, and then she eventually broke away from that. She became this powerhouse, like in her 40s or 50s. Yeah, she was, she was mid, mid-age when she hit, right? Yeah, yeah. and then she, she kept the name almost like as a big F you to Ike. Like, look what I did with this name Thanks. that you Thanks, branded me with. And Literally almost. We, yeah, and I, I am bigger than you ever were as a solo artist. I'm bigger than we ever were together. Um, you know, so suck it. I'm going to check that one out. Um, it's really good. I think you said your mom was a Tina Turner fan, so oh, you should watch time. it with her. Yeah. All right. So dead man's shoes. Um, I was ner- a little bit nervous about this one, admittedly, because so was I For, just to recap, neither yeah. one of us, you know, I had heard about it on Twitter and, and just, it always comes up and, and I, I read the synopsis and. I mean, that's my, I was right up my alley too. And so we both went into this blind and I was yeah. very, very nervous myself. Not nervous, but maybe anxious, you know, kind of uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, neither one of us had seen it. Um, and I think in the very first show, like we said, the premise of the show is that, you know, uh, one of us will bring something to the other that, that they've seen and vouched for. And in this case, neither one of us had seen it. So I was nervous that, and what happens if this sucks? Is it really a secret source of sustenance if we both hate it? Yeah, but I, th- I think that, that I think doing this is fun every once in a while uh, where mm-hmm. we both don't know. And look, I can't wait till something hits that we're, but we both go in blind and we both don't like it yeah. and we can just rip on it. You well, know? not this movie because I, I love this movie. I love this movie as well. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, just a uh, real high level here. Um, it came out in 2004 mm-hmm. in the UK and the US a couple years later. It was directed by uh, Shane Meadows, um, who's done like a bunch of English cult films. He, I think he was kind of an indie darling for a little while over yeah. in the UK. Uh, it was co-written by uh, that same guy, the director Shane Meadows, and then this guy Paul Frazier, and then Patty Considine, who is the main character. He is, yeah, Richard. Um, and he's uh, Patty Considine's been compared to the British Sam Rockwell. Um, okay, yeah, um, I can see that. Sam Rockwell's a great, yeah. great actor, and he's mostly in uh, uh, character parts. He doesn't play leading man too often, like in Moon he did. Moon or some he did, other, yeah, but, other but it, he was still a character. I mean, it was it wasn't too far out of his comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't realize I've seen Patty Considine in a handful of things, just kind of here. He looked very. Did he? Did, didn't he look? There was a few guys in that movie that looked familiar. He was the they, only one. Um, him and the other. Do you remember the guy that they they colored the hair like one of the? Oh yeah. Guys? Like that he, was. He seemed. Familiar. It was either Big Al or Gyps, Gypsy John. Um, I think it was he, Big Al. Yeah. Um, you're gonna be better with the names because I I didn't I was so well. You go ahead. I'm sure. No, no, you're fine. Um, but he was in uh, Patty Considine was in um, Cinderella Man, the boxing movie. Yes. Yeah. He was in uh, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. So he's got Hot this... Fuzz is where I remember him. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's where the I. The World's seen... End too. So that's yes. Simon Simon, Simon uh, Pegg. Pegg. Yes. Uh, was Pegg? the actor Pe- Simon Pegg's actor? Ed- Edgar Wright directed those movies, and he did like. Uh, Baby Driver and some other movies right, too, but right. yeah, um, he was uh, the journalist Simon Ross in the Bourne Ultimatum. Remember the guy that kind of is helping uh, oh, Jason so. Bourne out on the train on the yes, train, this like is all coming together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, where have I seen? And even when I looked him up, uh, I didn't go any further than like his name, mm-hmm. and then uh, 
I didn't, for some reason, why did I not look at his movies? But I was like, oh, this must not be the guy that I'm thinking of. Cause yeah, I mean, he's been in some stuff. Small um, roles and all, mostly um, everything, though. Yeah, I, don't, I never saw Peaky Blinders, the TV show, but he's, I guess, in that. And then uh, and The Outsider on HBO, which I did watch as well. And I, I do remember him from that. But I didn't remember him in any of these roles until I saw him in this role. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. went to IMDb or whatever. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so this movie was shot in three weeks. I would say it's low budget, but it's more like no budget. I mean, it seems pretty... But man, it's... I love... I, but I, that's... that's So, uh, are we getting into this? Or do you want... Here, I'll Well, start. what... No, no. Like, um, do you want to uh, give everybody some time to maybe kind of hit the pause button and go... Anybody that hasn't seen this oh, and go, yes. go watch the movie? So what I'll, what I'll do here is I'll, I'll stop the recording... Uh, in, in post-production, because I'm a nerd, I'll add some sort of sound effect in there, and then we'll restart recording. But if you haven't seen this yet, stop. Yeah, it's, in, in don't a even listen to this episode if you have. You, you everybody needs to experience this. this yeah, film. It, it will be spoiler heavy, and it is worth seeing. We both, it's we both vouch, right? It's the first time we're kind of both coming up, up, front, up front and saying we vouch. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely vouch. Okay, so we'll stop it right here, and be right back. All right, it's been like two seconds for us. I don't know how long it's been for you. Maybe at least 90 minutes. I think this movie is about yeah, probably, nine, what, 90 minutes. Yeah, right at 95 minutes, I believe. Um, but we're we're back. Um, hopefully at this point you've all seen this movie, Dead Man's Shoes. Um, so do we want to just kind of jump right into the the plot and use the... The, the plot talk about what happens on the screen or yeah let's let yeah I'm gonna let you because I know that you're you're far more prepared than I ever am uh, in terms of, of the bullet points and I appreciate that thank you so much uh, but I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about if we can yeah the, the, you can the, do whatever you want so, so how I watched this film and the feeling that I had and and all like this yeah so did you have did you turn the subtitles on because that was the first thing I did being a British movie and, no and, I did not. I you watch it without have, the subtitles? Yeah. Okay. I, I, bought I, on, I bought it on Vudu and 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 it didn't even. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think. I about it. Uh, like even in uh, you know uh, American movies, I'll turn on the subtitles just really because I've I've found that I've I miss things. I don't know huh. if I'm. Yeah, I've never thought. My I, I hearing is getting weird in my old age, or just you know it, maybe it's I'm trying to keep it quiet around the house because the kids or whatever. But but uh, you probably realize it wasn't that hard to understand these guys, in my opinion. It wasn't. I think the subtitles yeah. helped me a little bit, but it wasn't. It wasn't like yeah, uh, they were pretty. It wasn't I mean, like Brad Pitt's character in yeah, uh, Snatch. Snatch. It yeah. wasn't anything like that. No, not at all. No, pretty straightforward. So uh, I had I had presented this to you uh, before we even decided to do it as an episode, but we, I think we just kind of briefly chatted about it, and I was like, yeah, there's, you know, and we kind of were working what we were going to do with the podcast. Um, and obviously, we love the challenge every other like we have been doing, but we also thought, hey, let's throw in maybe some interviews, let's do some stuff that we both like have heard of and we've talked about, but neither one of us have checked it out. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, the essence of this is secret sources of sustenance, but let's face it, uh, we can do what we want. So, That's right. So we're, we're not gonna, getting paid for this shit. You're right. Like, this is going to grow organically as we want it to grow. Yeah. You know? So so we decided, okay. Ben was like, yeah, Bob, that's fine. I was like, all right. Yeah. Never seen it. So Ben, ben beat me out of the gate. He got it pretty quick. I'd say within two or three weeks of uh, – uh, maybe two weeks. Yeah, two weeks I think you texted me and said – done and then you're like there's so many great things i want yeah. to you know share and i'm yeah. like all right so so of course i was behind uh and i finally 
uh, was like, all right, because I, I told you, hey, I'm going to do it on a Sunday. I couldn't get it in on that Sunday. So then I f- squeeze it in on a Friday night. What happened was Friday nights are generally like I'm just dead. You know, you get the kids in bed and you both want to. Oh, yeah. So my wife, for some unknown reason, has decided to watch Grey's Anatomy from the very first season through the, I think there's 15 or 16 <laughs> seasons up to this point. Good Lord. So she knows that I have zero interest in that show. And God help you if you think that that's good television because there's something wrong with you. It's a horrible, horrible show. I want to get that out yeah, of there. Yeah, it would be no vouch for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I don't even – that's an insult to no vouch. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, – but she wants me to, to be with – to sit with her in the same room, right? Yeah. Does she expect you to pay attention? No. I mean there are some nights where I have just like – I'll go in there and I'll watch an episode to be like the good husband and like pretend, you know, and I'll ask questions because I don't know what's going on or whatever, but it's awful. So then what I'll generally do is I'll just put my headphones on and listen to music on the couch next to her while she's watching Grey's Anatomy. At least you're there. But I'm there and she can look over and see me and yeah. Right. So um, I decided on that Friday night, I had told her about this and we were going to watch it. She's going to watch it with me, you know. And then she's like, I, I don't think I want to, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for the subject matter, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I plugged my headphones into my phone and sat facing away from the TV that she was watching and watched it on my phone, like on the floor with my head just... Like a little over, kid. Like, in, yeah, like a little kid. <laughs> and I will tell you, um, I was in the right frame of mind and I... Didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, I actually wish that I would have never read the synopsis because it, it did ruin a little bit. Not much. Sure. But it would have been great to just go. So the, the minute it started and that, that Vessel in Vain by Smog, which is this Bill, Bill Callahan, is one of my favorite. Yeah. I, I won't say favorite because I don't have a lot of Bill. I, I am fond of Bill Callahan. Okay. And I have. And that was that first song? Yes, that Vessel in Vain. Yeah. So when that hit, I recognized it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Bill Callahan. Uh, and, and, and he's a, I, I discovered him through, he's one of, uh, Nick Cave is a big fan of Bill Callahan. Okay. And so I read about Bill Callahan. I got maybe a dozen songs and I've kind of. We, we've talked song. about how that's a good way to find music, like to follow the breadcrumbs of the bands that you like back to the bands that they like. Right. And, yeah. and, and then inadvertently my brother, uh, well, my sister-in-law's husband, cause technically that's not your brother-in-law, but. Say my brother-in-law. Sure. He actually already liked Bill Callahan, and then he shared some stuff with me. And it, so anyway, so that was one song that he had shared with me. So when that song hit, and just the way that they did that, you know, I was watching that family footage trying to figure out, like, you, you couldn't really tell that, that one of the brothers was uh, off. Like, because I'm like, oh, well, he doesn't seem that retarded yeah, yeah. Or, or physically challenged or whatever it may be. Cognitively impaired. Cognitively sure. impaired. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. It's a word, guys. I, Get over it. You know, you know what happens? <laughs> you know what happens? Bob said it. Not yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> uh, cognitively impaired. Uh, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, how's this? But anyway, but, but I'm watching that and that song's playing and they're showing all the. So, like, I could already tell, and this is very, very weird for me. I was already in a very like uh, emotional state, like, yeah. With that song, so you got sucked the, right into it. Sucked right in, right in. Right, right from the credit. Right, right from the credit, and it didn't start the way that I thought that it would start. And then the countryside and the is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and and the way that they, I'm a sucker for. That looks like you and I shot like, it it wasn't cinematic per se. No, it looks homemade. 
Right, but and it also feels re- it feels it like feels, you're there. It feels, it's like a fly in the wall type of feel to it. It feels homemade, um, not in a bad way. It it, it feels um, it and it's inspiring because it's like somebody can make a movie or a piece of art this affecting, and it, it looks like something maybe I, I could I could do. Or, you know, like, yeah. like not me, but I like I think they uh, made this film for like five million dollars or something. Yeah, it was very, very super, low super low budget. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so you got sucked in immediately. Sucked in immediately. Um, and then as it went on, I mean, dude. So so I'm a very I like very disturbing, dark, uncomfortable, sad like that's comedy like the the whole dark. You know, it was almost like a film noir meets a dark comedy meets yeah. almost like a snuff film at times. Uh, well, I don't want to say snuff film, but no, not snuff film. <laughs> that's like eight mil. That's yeah, that's where people get killed. Whether yeah, I don't. But you know what I mean, like a, it's uh, it's a it's a black to? comedy. I think it is. I, there's definitely comedic elements, and we can talk about that. Like when we get into the plot, but like the gang in this movie. I mean, I think one of the, the synopsis might refer to them as a cartel, and I'm like, no, that is ge- that's a generous term to call these guys a, a cartel. They, these guys are goofball, two bit criminals that think that they run a small shitty town, and they think that they're some right. cock of the walk, and, and but, they're but they're they're goofballs. They're not to be taken seriously. No, they're they're drug they're drug addicted pedophiles. Yeah, and that I think that's where the um, kind of the black comedy comes into play, and 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 just kind of um. Yeah, you the, like feel the, bad the, sometimes the, the, what you're laughing the at. The antics that these guys, the things that they're you up to. You have to separate the men from the monsters, right? So, like, because that was very, like, when they went that route with, mm. with, with the brother and what was, I mean, yeah. that tremendously, that, that bothered me tremendously. Like, it, it, it made me very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, do you want to get into the plot so uh, we can yeah, so let's back talk up. more specifically? So, no, yeah. no, like... Did you ever say everything you wanted to say about like how this movie made you feel at the outset, getting sucked into it? Is there anything else you want to add there? No, I just I just think that to me, if if you if you're a fan of of, of some indie art or indie music or, or things of that nature, um, stuff that like I mean, okay, when I say I I related I relate to movies like this, not what's really happening. But the emotions that it emo like it's to me that movie encompasses life, right? Like yeah, I mean to to me it's a movie. It's about grief, and I think a lot of times when it's somebody that dies in a uh, tragic way, uh, as happens to his brother in this movie, like grief is like this triangle of like sadness, guilt, and regret. And I think to me this is a a revenge movie, yes. But it's also about dealing with, with the guilt for the way that he felt about his brother. He was ashamed of his brother, the way that he treated his brother. Um, all that kind of coming back um, combined with... That said, I think that he... The, the one thing that I think people may be... And we can get to that specific scene, but... Um, I think he was a good brother. I think he loved his brother. I just think that he regrets not... Doing more or being more um, accepting and 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 open, you know, I, because I, I, I think that the I think scene, it's a step further than that. I think he was. I don't think he was mean to him. I don't think he was mean, but I think he was ashamed of his brother. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Embarrassed I, by him, ashamed by him, 
and but I also and, think of what you're because what you're thinking about is the one scene where he's where he's talking about him there at yeah the end of the all right scene. well let's just get into the plot because then it, instead of talking in yeah, uh, we're gonna have vague to, terms yeah. or whatever all right so opening credits you know Richard the main character he's walking down this country road and through the woods in this green army jacket carrying an army bag he's got his younger brother Anthony kind of in tow right um we don't know right off the gate, but it doesn't, didn't take me too long to figure out that Anthony is um, like cognitively impaired. He's, he's I don't know, uh, I, I guess we'll just say cognitively impaired. He's, he's slow, uh, although he was not portrayed by a an actor with any kind of uh, cognitive impairment. It was, no, uh, and I, 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 yeah, that um, actor did a fantastic job of being very uh, r- real and not. He didn't over. He, it, like it was subtle. Like again, I'm sorry, I'm gonna use the word, but it, it like in in it's joke, but in uh, Ben Stiller, Simple Jack, and he, right, you never go full retard, right? So that's what right. he, this actor. It's true, you don't because a lot of times they overact, and when you see somebody and he, he and it's not a not it's not realistic, and but we got no, he, he it, it nailed was a, it. No, no, I he mean, it, yeah, I mean. Uh, ben Stiller's character, no, <laughs> not realistic. No, this, that's not realistic. But he, the, but the actor when, here nailed it. Right, yes. but when he said that, when Ben Stiller says that, you know what he's talking about. Right. Because you've seen movies where it's almost insulting the way that these people are portrayed. Correct. Correct. Um, so they're walking into town, and it's sort of interspersed with these clips of uh, you know them when they were kids, these home movies, right? Yep. Um, of of uh, Richard and his brother Anthony, and then they set up the, the the they set up shop in an abandoned farmhouse. And Richard is returning home after being gone, and it turns out he's been gone for seven years. He's uh, he's a paratrooper in the infantry, whether British right British yeah. In, uh, was it pa- whatever. He was whatever a paratrooper, yeah. Yeah, in the uh, British military, whatever they call that. And he's coming back to town after being gone. Did you notice the green jacket and the the, the green bag, and then coming back into town? That's an homage to Rambo, the first yes. Rambo movie. Yes. I mean, that's kind of where the parallels maybe end. I mean, there's right. violence. <laughs> but, yeah, no, but, that but was like, a definite nod to... The, the veteran re- returning, returning to town, home. the veteran with maybe some mental illness returning to his hometown to tie up some loose ends, well, even right? Well, jeans. Did you see the jeans, like the kind of bell-bottomy jeans he had? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very much reminded me of Rambo. of Rambo. Um, and in the movie, it's it's there's five days, right? And you get these title cards at the beginning of each day uh, come up on the screen. So day day one pops up, and you get this overdub from Richard saying, you can't live with God for giving them. And you're like, who who's he talking about here? Who is, who is them? And then did you notice that we see that castle, that old castle? We see yes. a couple times in the very beginning of the yes. movie, like yes. foreshadowing. Yes. Okay. Um, and then he goes to this house and he just kind of lingers and stares at this house. He goes into town, right? He leaves the farmhouse, goes into town, lingers at this house. And then we, we get this first flashback and there's, uh, you know, flashbacks that run throughout this movie. It's a, well, and you also, yeah, it's a storytelling device. They, they use black and white. It's really grainy, right? So, you yes, know, yes. I like, and, but I like, I like how they do that because you can do a lot with just changing that sequence rather, rather than explaining it. Like the hair was longer on the one guy, and they do, yeah, they do this real. Yeah. Yep. So they do, and I think that he, they do a great job with the segues because they go from Richard staring at the house to the flashback of Richard's brother Anthony entering the house with like some groceries or something that he's been asked to get by these guys, and they're having some kind of party there, right? And that's all you get at the flash, the flashback. At that point, the next thing we see is that Richard is at this pool hall, or it's a pub, I guess, or maybe kind of both, right? And 
his his brother Anthony is there and uh, says to him, "There, there's one." And he turns around. But then uh, he, yeah. And, uh, he says, "You wait here." Right, and he he sees this guy walk in. It's this character named Herbie, who's uh, one of these low life drug dealers that we mentioned before. He's selling pills right there at the pool hall, and Richard confronts him. <laughs> You want to you want to tell what uh, what Richard says to uh, to Herbie? No, I'll I'll, 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 let, I'll let you do it because you're excited. I want to see. I want to hear. I want to hear your. I'm trying to remember the exact. He he goes well. First of all, that's where he's like. Uh, he's sitting down with Anthony at the table, correct? Yeah. And they're kind of off eating, but if I'm not mistaken, he's only he's the only one that has a bag of food. So I correct. Kind of figure out that Anthony is. Yeah. Is. Is a, yeah. So Anthony, so you you want to well, say this now? Well, anyway, so okay. so anyway, the, the guy the guy comes in, uh, and and he he he's nervously looking at him, and and first of all, Richard's just staring at him, and that guy's just kind of yeah, you know, staring look, a, look, like holes through him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then finally, he he gets enough that you could tell that guy was a big puss, the the, the drug dealer guy's a mm-hmm. But he, he's got his henchman with him, you know, behind him. And so he thinks he's untouchable because he thinks that one guy's some sort of big, highfalutin, powerful, you know, right. criminal, which not the case. Right. But he says something like, what are you, what, what are you looking at or something? And he's like, and the guy goes, the guy goes, uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, and he's like, you cunt. <laughs> just like that. He's like, yeah. you know, looks at him. And, and <laughs> just so uh, our American listeners that are not versed with uh, the, the British, British curse words. That's that's, but that's not even a. That's just a normal word over there. That's just the yeah. Call I mean, they use asshole. They, they use, drop they the, throw it around everywhere. They drop it like several times yeah. in this movie. Um, yeah. So the Herbie, the gang, the, the the drug dealer guy Herbie is clearly rattled. Right. He he exits the pool hall. He run. He uh. He <laughs> well, goes, he tries to like play it cool, but he's like, I gotta get out of here and go tell. Sonny and Sonny is this the leader of their gang, right? And uh, he goes and tells. Well, he goes and drops Sonny's off. Like, Sonny's like the Skeletor of this gang. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he drops off the the money from the drug deal at the club, and you know where Sonny is. He exits, and then he runs into Richard again, standing outside of the club, right? right. And then Richard is doing this kind of weird. Uh, well, he's back by the door, right? He's on that cobblestone road. Correct. And he comes out. And he's in. He's in that yeah. little. Whatever like it would nook be. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like an alley nook or a little alleyway. Yeah, there but he, he runs into Richard immediately right. again, and Richard does this kind of like weird, awkward apology thing, which just only serves to freak Herbie out yeah. even more, right? right? And so Herbie, I think he just takes off bolting down the street well, he, at that yeah, point. He yeah, gets around the corner. Yeah, gets yeah, gets around the corner and takes off. Um, he's got to go tell the boys. So then he goes and visits the, the two other gang members, right? Uh, Tough and Saz <laughs> at their apartment. <laughs> This little crappy apartment that they Those maybe they share together, um, and he tells him about the uh, the two confrontations he had with Richard, and he has the, an inkling that uh, Richard is Anthony's brother, right? And they all kind of look at each other like, uh oh. Um, I think he's like, I think it's I think it's Anthony's brother, right? Isn't that what he says? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it cuts to uh, the farmhouse, not in a flashback, but in present day, and Richard and Anthony are joking about Anthony's hair. Richard says that he has to go back into town, and Anthony doesn't want to join him when he goes back into town because you know, Richard's going to go uh, handle some business, right? right? Anthony doesn't want to be a part of that, and that's something that we notice throughout the movie is that whenever there's violence, Anthony's not. Well, but you, and, and I'm sure you're. I mean, it was fairly 
easy to pick up on what what was going on there. Yeah. Like, so like, kind of when he when he said it's all right, and I think the only reason I think that I knew that is because I had read the synopsis and you know what it's about already. Mm-hmm. So then when he showed him and he's like, "You stay back," I'm, I, I instantly was like, "Oh, that's a." So you knew that early on. Yes. Anthony was a delusion. When he, I had my, I had my thoughts because I was like, "What's weird? I know what this movie's about." And then they are showing it, and then because I, you, in the synopsis, they said he comes back to get revenge. Yeah. So I'm like, "Well, what?" And but then when he says, "You stay here," that's the first time that I was like, "Oh, I think Anthony is a is a a figment of his imagination." Yeah, he was having like a psychotic break. Yeah. Uh, I didn't pick it up that early. I picked it up, I think, before the reveal, but I didn't pick it up okay. that early. Um, um, and you get more of that that same flashback, um, you know, where the Anthony shows up to this this house where the gang members are partying, and you see that that the gang members are picking on him. They they hit him. They make him smoke pot, kind of against his will. And then you start figuring out, okay, something horrible ha- happened, Anthony. You, you don't know. It, it get, well, it gets worse and worse because then, the, you know, the next scene, they've got him smoking crack, and then they've got him yeah. doing... Yeah, every time you get a little snippet of this fla- this flashback, it, it does get worse and which, worse. Which, that was brilliant storytelling yeah. because you're you're wondering, like, you're so you're already thinking what's going on. Like, you're like, these guys are bad dudes, but what exactly, what are they doing? Like, is he selling drugs for them? And, and then with each little flashback, and then when finally you're just like, then you're, then you're right. I'm with Richard. Like, let's go. Well, and, and <laughs> what it's it, interesting how kind of two things run in parallel. Like Richard's path of revenge escalates at the same rate that the of the horrible things that are doing to his brother in the flashback, right? As he's thinking like the, of them, right? As correct. Um, well, he he's clearly heading. I mean, he's he's having a manic depressive nervous breakdown he is he's coming unglued but he's you and, and that's like what the real odd apology and all that weird stuff you're like this guy is he's snapped he has he's he past is, snapping to where it's just what he's comfortably not he is yeah he's snapped and he's he's kind of pushing it all down and keeping it together i guess long enough to enact this this plan which i don't think he even really wants to do to begin no. with he's realized that uh he's sort of he's out of control so uh, back at the apartment, Tuff and Herbie uh, tricks Saz into snorting uh, Parmesan cheese, thinking it's Sonny's Coke. That's kind of the first indication that you get that these guys are, are goofballs, yeah, right? Yeah. They're, they're not these hardcore right. gangbangers. Like, they're low-level... Uh, Drug addicts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bad, bad people. Bad, bad people not to be taken seriously uh, and, and goofy and... Um, Herbie steps out to meet Sonny, and he encounters Richard outside at night wearing a, a gas mask, right? Um, which is... It's full just, on, full face, white gas mask. Like a military-issued ma- yeah. gas mask. And he, he calls him an elephant. Calls so him the elephant, because yeah. he's got like the what looks like a trunk and right. the big eyes. And right. A, that freaks Herbie out. Big time, he goes running back in the, in the house, scared shitless. Or back into the apartment, rather. He gets tough and saws, brings him outside, and Richard is no longer there, right? Um, and the three, the three of them re-enter the apartment, and then everything is in disarray. Yeah, baseball bats, they're out there trying to figure out what's going on. What's going on, on. yeah. And, uh, you know, spray-painted on the wall is this phrase, chain-stoking, which I had to look up. I didn't know what that was. I know you've worked hospice care, so maybe you were familiar with that that term? No. Do you know I, what that I, means? I actually was not. I had to do the same thing that... 
Yeah, it's the abnormal breathing that occurs within hours of death. Yeah, it's the death rattle. That's, so, that's the... The death rattle, yeah. yeah it's a little I, bit I of a... call it the death rattle. So, and it's a little bit of play on words. And he said chain stoking. We hear right. the chain smoking. So, he, yes. this is... Richard has spray-painted this on the wall of these gang members' apartments. Letting them know the end is near. Letting them... Yeah, yeah. And he's also stolen their drugs, which they refer to as Sonny's gear. Yes. <laughs> right? I don't know if that's a British yes. term for... For drugs. Um, so then, you know... We, and he the, stole a lot of it. I mean, he stole all of it, right? Oh, yeah. And a, variety, a wide variety of things, right? So you, you cut to uh, two other gang members, two older guys that are part of the same gang. Gypsy John and Big Those Al. Those are my favorite guys. Uh, they're, they're old school gangsters, never outgrew it, you know? Right. And big losers. They're in their 50s. These guys are all losers, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. These guys are w- all yeah. way too old to be, you know? Right. Um... But they're stumbling home drunk, you know, and then Richard is on the street outside of their apartment in the next scene with his gas mask about to mess with them, right? And they don't see him at all, but the audience sees Richard standing there, which is just a cool shot of this dude standing there in a gas mask trying to get – about to get revenge on these guys that wronged his brother. And Richard walks into their apartment with a hammer in his hand. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. And some spray hair coloring, right? So that's day one. Day two (laughs) – <laughs> Day two, right after he's his first night of torment, right? He starts messing yeah, with these guys. He, he, but, but when those guys were in there, yeah, he messes <clears> with <throat> them because they're passed out, and he colors the guy's hair. Correct. And and yeah. Yeah. So Herbie, Tuff, and Saz they roll up to Sonny's house that next morning to tell him about uh, or trying to figure out how they're going to explain what happened to the drugs, right? And they're they're they roll up in this car. It's called a Citroen 2CV or Docevo. It's like this French uh, Volkswagen Beetle. Right. And it's just funny just to look at this car. Yes. And it yeah. just it reinforces the they're idea that these it. guys are just not serious gangsters, no. right? <laughs> they're no. like bumping British uh, uh, gangster rap music yes. in this yes. like shitty version of a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Uh, 22 horsepower car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, they go in and tell Sonny about the drugs and what happened. Sonny answers the door, done up in makeup, kind of looking like a $2 whore. Right? Yeah, really weird, like, like, a, like, performance makeup, like a, like a sad clown type. Yeah. And Sonny doesn't realize that he's been done up, right? And doesn't realize he's got this makeup on. Yeah. So then, um, you know, you cut it, the scene cuts to Richard and Anthony because he basically hit both places. Is what he hit both places yeah. that night. Hit, yeah. hit them all that yep. night. And the first but night he was, knows now. First night was just about messing with them psychologically, right? Just right. Some, well, some, and Sonny didn't believe it. Remember? Um, no, Sonny did not. Well, and he still didn't believe it when they showed up, and then when he realized that he had the face stuff on. Yeah, Sonny. Sonny thought that they used the drugs, right? Yes. And they were just kind of making up a story at first. He got a little violent with them too. Um, we get this scene back at the farmhouse with Richard and Anthony, and you know Richard's got the stolen drugs that he stole the night before on day one, and he's mixing up just a variety of drugs, including LSD, in this big cocktail. And he says, or his brother Anthony says, what are you going to do with that, Richard? And Richard says, I'm going to give him this super-duper effing dose. I'm going to send him to space, man. The space you ain't coming back from, though, baby. <laughs> Which... It was one of the greatest lines in the <laughs> in the movie there. Uh, and it cuts back to Sonny's, and Sonny's, you know, still mad, thinking they, they sold his drugs. And, um, you know, Herbie tells Sonny, no, no, it, this we think that this was uh, Richard, right? He tells Richard, he tells Sonny, rather, that Richard was standing out the apartment with the, the gas mask. He tells right. him about the confrontation and all that. 
And Sonny is like stricken with fear that that moment. Right, but he also gets in the car and he's gonna play Barney Badass and go confront him. Correct. But you can tell he's scared. You can tell he's scared. So before we we get there, when he goes to confront Richard, we get another flashback in which Sonny tells Anthony that Richard left because Anthony was disabled. And Sonny Sonny starts forcing Anthony to perform oral, or he threatens violence unless he performs oral on Sonny. And Anthony refuses, and Sonny just kind of cold cocks and knocks him out right there in the kitchen floor. Which, devastating scene. I mean, these guys, like I said, they're... They're goofballs in a lot of ways, but they're still doing horrible oh, stuff, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they're they're getting a, they were getting that kid cracked up and just, I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't, they were abusing him. They had the women abusing him. I mean, they just treated him like, I mean, it was it was step. It was that sick. Was sick, but but it was all done. Uh, it was done on purpose to get us to feel a certain way while we're. Yeah, to make you, you to make you, you root for Richard. You you have to right because you, you did you'd be like, I yeah. gotta have something big here. There better be something big. And then when that so so that's right when I was on board with. Well, I think. Let's go. How's this gonna like? I, then I was like, all right, how's he gonna get all these guys back? Like I'm looking forward to this. You know? Yeah, yeah, and it, it happens quick yeah. in terms of how like how fast. He but gets then through. I will say on the backside of that, I did not feel as as I wasn't. I mean, I felt bad. Like, yeah. I felt, I felt guilty myself, like... Oh, yeah, you don't walk away from this movie feeling good at, yeah, at all. It's awful. Like, no, like, no. Um, so Gypsy John and Big Al walk in to Sonny's apartment, right, while they're trying to, uh, you know, figure out whether that really was Richard, whether Richard's really back, and kind of assess the threat. And Gypsy John's jacket has been spray-painted, right, by Richard the night before. He walked into their apartment with the, the spray-paint, and it says knob. Yeah. And then Big Al's hair has been sprayed. Yeah. It's different like colors. And they, they think it, it's Herbie and Tough and Saz, right? So they start pounding on Herbie, Tough and Saz. Right. Kind of like Sonny was pounding on thinking that they stole the drugs. And they didn't they didn't do any of that. Right. Um, it was all Richard. Um, so then this, that's when they all realize that Richard's back. Yeah. Richard's back. And um, he knows. Um, so then you get this kind of mix of like flashback and present day of these guys going to this woman Patty's house, right? And then you get the flashback, and it turns out Sonny forced uh, this Patty uh, character under the threat of violence to have sex with Anthony for their entertainment, right? Um, yeah, they all stood there. Well, no, no. Yeah. She didn't, she was apprehensive, but then she didn't realize that they all were going to burst in and. She was more than apprehensive. I mean, he actually had to like. Uh, Threaten her life. Threaten her life. I mean, she wouldn't have done it otherwise. Well, of course not. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, she had a soft spot for, I think. She, she did. Um, Andy. So, um, you know, the, in the present day, they go to her house to see if she, if she knows anything about Richard, and she's moved on with her life. She no longer hangs out with these these gangsters. She's got a kid. She's passed all that. She's put it all behind her. They don't get anything out of her. Um, and then it kind of cuts back to the flashback, and you you see kind of after um, they force her to have sex with with uh, Anthony, they they storm in kind of mid coitus, yeah. and like they're jumping up and down in celebration. And this goes back to this cool segue thing that they did, or this uh, or transition shot, where they go from this this group of people, the gang the gang members jumping up and down in, in this faux celebration with Anthony, to Richard in the street 
jumping up and down like a boxer preparing in the yeah. ring, right? Yeah. Yep. And then the gang rolls by, and well, and it, all, and it also gave you a glimpse as to how they how they mentally roped Antony into doing what they wanted him to. So like they would almost like abuse him, and then they would throw a nugget at him, like, "Oh, look how cool you are! You had sex with a woman." Or but that, they would only use know. that to further torment him. Correct. They would yes, just keep yes. escalating. It was just he, it was it was torture what they were. Yeah, it was it was doing so sad because he thought these guys were his friends, and then. When they'd make him do things he didn't want to, then they'd come back and do something, that, and then he was confu- they'd confuse him, and then it was just... It was... Yeah. Not to mention they got him all loaded up on all the different crack, drugs. Crack, man. Yeah. When he was, like, smoking crack and making him perform sexual acts or forcing him to or, like, passing him out to where they... I mean, yeah. what is wrong with you? Yeah. You know? It, so that's when you were, like... That's when I was, like... These guys were pure evil. And I think um, right. the fact that they were, like, also these goofy guys, it's kind of, like, reinforces this idea of the banality of evil like evil, evil doesn't have to walk in looking like well that, that's the goddamn the, yeah. devil you know what i mean it could look in well, it's it, like we teach our kids man stranger and like don't ever judge a book by its cover because some i mean I, we've probably met serial killers in our life you I'd know like you think, don't even i'd like to think not but you well, know no, I, I know what you mean i know the yeah, point you're making yeah yeah i'm just saying you don't man that so look look at a lot of those like look at jeffrey dahmer look at some of these people you know just unassuming kind of nerdy yeah when you look at these guys and you're monsters. like these guys yeah, they're harmless, but they they're look, mo- they look harmless. They and look they yeah they look meek and harmless. And but they're not. They're, they're they're monsters, which is a big theme in this movie. Is um, is sort of like who who is the monster who becomes the monster? We'll get into that. Yeah. But um, yeah. so they uh, they roll past this spot where uh, Richard's jumping up and down on the street. Right. Sonny, uh, they 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 stop and back up, and Sonny gets out and confronts Richard. And Sonny is the leader of this gang member, and supposedly the badass right right so sonny walks up and richard admits right off the bat that it was him that did all that stuff yeah, 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 yeah. He, he he tells sonny where he was staying and how to right. find Come, him yeah. right Come, yeah he uh sonny says richard's making him nervous richard says you should be nervous right uh, he tells him to leave richard tells sonny get out of there because you know i can't be held accountable for what what follows uh, Richard warns Sonny that he's going to hit all of them. Yeah. He's coming after all of them. Um, he point blank tells him, you're all going to die. He tells him he could have killed Sonny the night before. He was, I was in your house with a knife to you. I could have killed you, yeah, and I, I the, didn't. Does the three, like... Yeah, and then the most kind of badass thing he does, in my opinion, is he puts his, yes. his palm out kind of flat, and with his other uh, hand kind of points with his in, index finger, and he, he, says, he points to the flat part, and he says... You're effing there, mate, and then closes his hand over that finger like I got you. And that I got you to come full circle is the scene that I would always see, which made me want to see this movie. That scene. Oh, you saw that scene before I've you seen, saw the movie. Yes. So I okay. was like, it's a, that scene it, is all over YouTube. Yes, and that's the one that you, they pass back and forth, and I'm just like, just seeing that scene, I was like intrigued. So then when I got, I right when it showed it, I was like, oh, so this is where it's gonna fall into context. Yeah. Yeah, great, and that was and, and before that I kind of skipped this, but he sends Anthony away again. Anthony yes. exits before yes. Yes. anything gets uh, gets chippy. Um, so that night the gang discusses how to best handle Richard, and they have this really simple idea just to go to his farmhouse, pull him out, and shoot him, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're all going to go up there, keep your distance, and they they have <coughs> what looks to be like a thirty out six or a long rifle, and they're just gonna yeah with a uh, sniper uh, or scope rather uh, on it, um, and so. They're still at the club discussing, you know, how to, to deal with Richard. Gypsy John goes to take a leak in the upstairs bathroom. 
Herbie kind of follows him a little bit later and finds Gypsy John dead in the bathroom, and it says, one down, written in blood on the so wall. So that's when they all go out to, to the farm. That's what, uh, I guess, coagulates the group. Like, the group. like okay, right? yeah, because, like, uh, Tuff was a little bit disconcerted about this plan to go shoot Richard. Like, he didn't want to take it that far. And then Richard has his first kill, right, which is Gypsy John, and that kind of coagulates the... the well, they were the, all kind of like, we, we, we all have to go... We're all we have to, we go, have to go now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we know then, where he's at. He told us. Yeah. So day three, <laughs> this is where day three comes in. The gang drives to the farmhouse intent on killing Richard. They arrive and Big Al gets out. The other old guy, uh, Gypsy John's probably best friend. And Sonny mans this scoped rifle from the car. It's a convertible. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like sitting out of the. He's in the driver's seat. Oh well, yeah, I had one of those like hanging out of the top. Yeah. Uh, Richard comes out with an axe. <laughs> An axe that he's found in the farmhouse earlier. He confronts Big Al and calls him Pig Mud, yeah. <laughs> which was great. And then Sonny just kind of fires this errant shot and he hits Big Al, his own guy. Yeah, his own guy, right? The and, shoulder. No, the back of the head, I think. Was it the back of the head? Well, or was, no, it, it took him out instantly, so I'm assuming yeah, it was right. the back of the head. That's right, that's right. And then after that happens, you know, Big Al goes down. Richard just stares them all down. You know, they're all in the car just like, oh, shit. And uh, he stares them all down, axe in hand, just smiling slyly. Uh, and the gang just takes off in this yeah, the car. Yeah, they are they're done. They, so they're they, two down. They flee to a gas station, and we get a little bit more of the flashback where we see the gang forcing Anthony to take some more hard drugs, more serious drugs. And then we see this guy. I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't know. I watched this movie twice, right? Mm-hmm. In the second pass, I realized in that flashback, at least uh, later on in the flashback, you see a guy, That's the last Mark, guy. right, yeah. with yeah. a baseball cap and a track suit. Right. And he's not leading the charge in these scenes, the, but he's... There's one more guy. He's the Yeah, there's one more guy that we haven't seen in the present day on screen, but we see him in the, for the first time right. in the flashback. Which includes the fact that he, too, has cleaned up. Correct. Um, so it goes back to present day. The gang is at the gas station, and a scared tough just has had enough. He just runs off. He leaves them and just runs home, right? The car's broken down at the gas station, so tough takes off. Um, it cuts back to Richard and Anthony at the farmhouse. Uh, Anthony's reminiscing about Richard coming to Richard's school. I think it's a school for the disabled, and it's some sort of run that uh, Richard comes to the school for. And he talks about how good Richard was, how, how we won the race that day. And he also talks about how good Richard was at playing soccer. And I think, I think a lot of the, that, too, is, is that just makes Richard feel more guilty. It does, because Anthony looked up to him. Right, well, and that's, that's his mind playing tricks on him, basically. Saying, like, he, he worshipped the ground that you walked on, and you right. were very... Right, because we've established, you know... Anthony is dead at this point. He's a he's a figment of Richard's imagination. Right. So the fact that they're having any conversation, you all know it's in Richard's head. Yeah, it's in Richard's head. And um, Anthony talks about how all the kids wanted to hold Richard's hand because they thought he was so cool. And Anthony wanted to hold Richard's hand too, but Anthony didn't because Richard told him he didn't need to. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is telling the audience that Richard was ashamed and embarrassed. That it was his brother. That Anthony was his brother, right? Yeah, and I think that's. Anyway. I think more than anything, more than what the, or as much as what the gang did to his brother, he's also motivated here by his kind of guilt and regret and for being ashamed of yes. his brother. I think that's a big part of it. Yes, my yes, yes. Perception. But I, but I don't think he was a. I mean, I think that he loved his brother, and I don't think that he was. Abuse, you know, he wasn't abusive or 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 mean. He was just. 
he didn't accept his brother for what he was. And, Correct. And yeah. it's sad because you can see how that happens. Like he, I don't think he was like necessarily me. He was just kind of like us. You saw him as a burden. It's an annoyance. you know. I, and I've known people that have had uh, siblings that are handicapped or and it, that is what what you either have a, you either have the sibling that will do everything for them mm-hmm. and then you have the sibling that's just like just tolerates them like is it mean to me you can just tell them it's like Ugh, I don't want to deal with this and yeah and ritual is more the latter yeah, right um, so you know cut to Sonny Herbie and Saz walking back to Sonny's from the gas station because the car had broken down there right right and they, they get into Sonny's house and they arm up. And this is comical, too, because Sonny grabs this, the world's smallest crossbow. I've never seen a crossbow. <laughs> so scaled down. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that was just a show. They just grabbed every ridiculous thing that they... Yeah. Um, Saz has this sword. Right. And Herbie oh, yeah, has... has like a, does he have, like, a katana? Like a... But it's, like, this... Narrow, t- like skinny blade, yeah. not like it, it did not look threatening. And, and Herbie's got a <laughs> right. knife, which is the only real weapon of the, the bunch, right? And with these weapons, they search the house looking for Richard. They don't find Richard, but Richard is there. We see the audience sees Richard, and he's wearing the, the gas mask, he's got the elephant man, yeah, the elephant man the elephant mask. Man, yeah. And while they are looking for him, he goes into the kitchen and drops that drug cocktail that he in the, in the that tea. he made that he's told from them from their in their teapot, right? <laughs> like, and he dumps all of it in there, all of it. Like the whole, yeah, ba- like a whole sandwich size uh, Ziploc bag, yes, maybe more of the mixture of whatever it was right <laughs> in their in their tea kettle. Yeah, well, we know there was LSD in there, and yeah. there was just Probably God knows what else. Yeah, a cock. It was a cocktail, and uh, they wind up making the tea, and of uh, the drugs slowly kick in. They're real messed up, and you get this montage of kind of goofy activities that they're engaged in while they're under the influence of this well, drug they made cocktail him, they he, he made them so they got so high they acted they were acting like his brother like whose brother they were acting like anthony like oh you think that's what it was and i but i think that that and then he yeah because then he realized like how horrible like he's no better than what they were doing like you could see him oh crack. oh he's, yeah yeah so they he's starting to crack and i think that's what that's why he got them all whacked up is because did you even see how he was making fun of them like they made fun of his brother? Oh, correct. Yeah, no, I'll, I, I thought you were saying something different. I agree with you completely, yeah. they uh, He got them so drugged up that they were, like, subservient to to, to Richard. And yes, he they could, were, like, he, what they did to Anthony. Like they, yeah, 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 and he and he was becoming the monster. Right? Yes. They were the monsters to Anthony. Yes. And then he He's the gave him this drug cocktail and did a, all the same tormenting, the not the same, not the same tormenting, correct? Yeah, but the, but in the same way, tormented those guys yes. while they're all loaded while up they're on, in their, on drugs. While they're in their lowest mental state. Correct. And they, um, that drug intoxication uh, intensifies, and I thought they did a really cool job here, like with the camera work, yeah, the, the, the lighting, the jer- herky jerky, and the up close and the far away, the editing and, cuts. Yeah. yeah, and just the mute the soundtrack yeah. too to oh, really yeah. convey in a really low budget sort of way uh, the effects of the intoxication. I thought it was I thought it was perfect too. Um, and then bam, Richard is standing right there in that room with him, with no mask on, and they're too too messed up to to realize it. And then you get this flash. I think they're like dreaming it almost. Yes. They're hallucinating. Sorry, not dreaming. No, yeah. And then you get this this little snippet of a flashback of the gang. Um, exuberantly leading Anthony into a castle. And that's all you see at the, this point is them getting out of this van and leading him up to this castle that we see at the beginning of the movie. 
Um, and then, you know, the three gang members notice that Richard is there, but they're too messed up to do anything about it. And he makes them dance and slaps them around. Like you said, does right. all the same stuff that they did to mm-hmm. his brother. He's become right. the monster. Right. And then he goes up to Sonny, asks Sonny if he thought he'd get away with it. He takes Sonny by the hand, like a child, uh, to the kitchen, places a bag on his head, puts him on his knees, and just shoots him right in the top of the crown, the crown of the head. Just, mm-hmm. And then he moves on to Saz. And he gets him to his feet. He's sort of, uh, oh, Saz, Saz says, can I go? You know, he, he's starting to figure out this is bad. Right. <laughs> right, as messed up as he right. is on like, his drugs. He's like, can I get out of here? Yeah. Can I go? And he's he, like, you're going to go or He goes, like well, that. you're yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Richard says, I'm, I'm going to take it all away from you as well. Like the coldest blooded shit ever. Uh, makes him stand still and straight and sort of positions him. Yeah, makes him, he makes him, he readies himself. Readies himself and then just delivers this, like, uh, I guess it's an well, uppercut. Well, he did the, yeah, it's the thing to the, you know, the Bruce Lee thing to the nose and it'll just... Did he get him with the palm of the hand? It happened well, so fast, like the... he hit up into, I mean, he basically jammed his nasal cavity up into his brain. Just, just kills him kills instantly. Him instantly. He, he goes down like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. And so then it's only Herbie, mm-hmm. right? Or so you think. Well, so or so we think, yeah. He sits Herbie down. <laughs> he pulls out the suitcase from the closet. He makes Herbie open the suitcase, and Tough, who had run run away from the, the gang at the gas, the gas station. station, is stuffed inside, yeah, dead, twisted, contorted, contorted to fit in unrecognizable. Yes. There's even a comment about the fact that he's unrecognizable. Yes. And I was like, holy shit, when I Richard ain't playing. When I saw that, yeah. Richard ain't playing. This is some dark shit real dark shit <laughs> right here and uh richard makes this deal with herbie that he'll let him live if he gives the location of the this missing gang member this guy that was uh, a part of the what happened so there's brother. one more where is he yeah yeah this guy named mark it turns out that's the guy that we saw in uh, the poor, flashback poor mark poor mark who has moved on with his life and has a wife and, and kids and lives in a, a, a nearby and town and apparently he's honest with his wife about everything because he basically tells her. He winds up, yeah, breaking down to her um, after Richard Richard spooks him and his wife uh, pretty bad. Because well, he comes and visits the wife while the son and the dad are out. Yeah, so that's day four. And he's like, oh, tell, your, tell him that Richard stopped by. You know, I'm a friend of his. And well, before whatever. that, though, and so I, we right? skipped. We, sk- we Yeah, that is right. No, but. We skipped over the fact that despite making the promise to keep Herbie alive, he kills Herbie, right? After he gets the information on Mark's right. Re- location. Right. Well, of course, yeah. So then day four out of five, uh, Richard and Anthony uh, take a walk to Mark's town, right? Which is it's in walking distance, so it's close enough. It's not the same town, but it's close enough. Uh, Mark, this you know other gang member who's no longer affiliated with this gang, uh, has a wife and kids. The kids, he's got two boys, young boys. They leave the house. His wife is in the kitchen. The boys return, and one of them's wearing that gas mask. Yeah, right. Richard's gas mask. Right. And the other one has is a knife, right? And I think it's the same knife that he used on Burby. It is, Burby. It's that black knife that he... Yeah, the only knife I think we've maybe seen in the yeah. movie. Um, well, we see it again. We, we wind yeah. up seeing it again. But he says, uh, the one boy says he got the gas mask or they, they say that they got the gas mask and the knife from a soldier who said he knew dad and that freaks out the mom 
And then you know, he the mom, instantly knows. Mark instantly knows, and Mark ends up leaving with the boys, and as soon as he leaves, Richard knocks on the door. I don't know why he left his wife behind there, but after after the, getting spooked. Well, I bet you he maybe maybe, maybe he had was taking them somewhere anyway. So he couldn't Probably. act like there was something wrong with the kids. It was like school or something there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but his wife answers the door. She's upset because here's the guy that supposedly gave their son the gas mask and the knife. And, you know, Richard says, um, you know, tell your husband I'll be around. Um, and also that he's Anthony's brother. And she's really weirded out. Um, and so Mark returns with the kids, sends them upstairs. And that's where he does the confession. Right. And that's where we see... Kind of the remainder, the, the remainder of the flashback. He's, uh, yeah, his he's, wife and he's yeah. breaking down on the stairwell, yeah. and he confesses about how they'd uh, what they did because he wasn't a part. He I mean he was a part of it, but you get the impression that he wasn't doing any raping or he, he was wasn't just, leading the charge on no, any yeah, of it. Yeah, he was just hanging. But out he with, didn't do anything to stop. Right, he was just like yeah, he was he was. And that that goes back to the whole banality of of, the of evil. Right. right, the people that stand around and do nothing while this yeah, it's bad, like these bad people stuff cell phone videoing people just getting their asses beat or instead of intervening. Them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he confesses about how they'd mess with Anthony after Richard joined the military and how Sonny always took it too far. Sonny, the leader of the gang, always took it too far. And well, he had told his wife that too. Correct. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we talked That's what he's telling his wife yeah. as, he's, oh, yeah. as he's confessing. Yeah. Um, and then we get the, the full flashback, or the remainder of the flashback, rather, that the gang, they have Anthony, they're in this van, they're all taking acid, and, uh, you know, Mark knows. Well, they got him all whacked up, too. They gave him two tabs acid, didn't they? They gave Andy. Anthony acid. Yeah, they definitely gave Anthony acid, and uh, Mark knows right away that Anthony's having a really bad trip. They drive out to this castle, um, you know, they they put a noose over Anthony's head and they kind of lead him into the castle by this noose and he falls stumbles and falls and you know they start beating on him and uh, they end up picking him up and, and taking him inside the house and uh, Mark is lagging behind just guilt ridden just knows that this is wrong but again not doing anything mm-hmm. to stop it um, they end up pulling Anthony's head you know by the noose through this window. And they, they leave him there, right? And well, I, they push him into the window. Yeah. And they know that the, it's short enough to where it'll hang him when he falls. So I don't know. I don't know what they were trying to do there. I don't know if they were trying. Make it look like he was hanging himself. Well, so he ends up killing himself. But I think but it looked that like, was the plan. That's why they did that. Cause they, they wanted, you think that they wanted him Yeah, he was cognitively... To, Impaired. Okay. And and they let him out there. Yeah. And and they knew exactly how long that rope was or whatever to where it just looked like he they when he was in that little slot or whatever. Yeah. That it it did you know the rope wasn't right. I mean he was gonna hang himself if he as soon as he got tired and fell in there he was he was dead. Was the rope um, dangling down or was it was it strung up? That's what I don't remember. No no I think they had the they they had it secured to where. If he would have fallen it, forward, it would have killed him. Yeah, when he, when, okay. when he got tired, he fell into the into the room, that okay. little area. Yeah. It was, yeah, they, I think that they just tried to make it look like okay, so he it would have, was either an accident or he, he would have fallen himself. kind of back, from, yes. away from the window, into the room, which is where he actually died. Yeah, and, and okay. he would hang himself, yeah. So that was fast. it was not clear to me, I guess, even watching it twice, that they intended for him to hang himself. All I know is that he did hang himself. No, I think it was – I took it as they knew what they were doing. Okay. And then they knew that he would hang himself, but it was really them that hung him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. 
Mark goes back to the castle after they abandon Anthony, and sure enough, he's he's hanging and he's dead. And and so, if you didn't figure it out before, you know, then you know that Anthony is dead. He's been a figment of right. uh, Richard's but, imagination yeah. the whole movie, and, and Richard has had a psychotic before. break. Right. And um, Mark is a mess about this. You know, he participated yeah. in it. He didn't. Because he was like, I didn't do anything to stop him. I didn't. Correct. And so and in doing so, he sort of became the monster. By by not doing something, he became. A monster. He became as culpable as the other other guys. Um, so uh, you know, I've never done LSD, but yeah, me neither. There's the whole set and setting thing, and you could see why. Like, there was all these scare this scaremongering around LSD um, that people were gonna jump out windows and stuff, and, and those were all just kind of. Well, they they knew that too. That's the way, at least the way I took it. Is like, look, he's gonna be on LSD, and then he hangs himself. I mean, it's a perfect alibi. But I don't, you know, I don't think that like. Had they not been messing with him, right? well, they should have never given it to him because he was cognitively impaired and, right. and he was not, right. uh, he was being forced to take it. All sorts of reasons not to give it to him. But it was also horrible set, horrible setting yeah. for him to be under in, the influence of that. It was like the abuse of all abuse, abuses. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And Mark confesses all this to his wife and we realized that uh, Richard's has a psychotic break, and then it cuts to a scene of Richard at his brother's funeral, and he's the last one to leave. And so day day five, yep. last part of the movie here, opens at 5 a.m., so the earliest any of these days have started, and Richard is at Mark's house. Mark's laying on his couch in his family room, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Richard's got a knife to his throat, makes him exit drive to the castle, leads Mark to the spot where Richard hung himself, and uh, Richard admits, Aunt, where Aunt, or Anthony yeah. hangs himself rather. Richard admits to Mark that Anthony was an embarrassment to him. Richard wants to understand Mark's specific culpability and what ha- for what happened. And Mark admits that you know basically what he did is that he did, he did nothing. nothing. He failed to act. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard says that uh, he. Wishes- but Richard, Richard snap. R- Richard is snapping, and I think Richard is. Scene. And he's saying when he's like, you know, whatever the word he used for his brother, he is a effing whatever. Uh, it's it's him getting all that rage and, and guilt out for the way that he inside felt about his brother. I mean, I don't think he called his brother those things, but it was also a tool that I think that he used to get the gentleman angry enough to do what he wanted him to do. Because it's clear at this point now that Richard fully understands that there is no coming back. Yeah. He knows that it, he snapped. Yeah. He's now self-aware, I believe, very self-aware again yeah. as to the reality of things. And now he needs to, to be taken care of. He does. Um, and he asks Mark to take take care of him, right? And he, Well, before he does that, he tells Mark that, um, you know, if Mark would have acted, that Mark would have prevented a lot, oh, of, yeah, a lot he, of carnage, and then he tells Mark about everything, all the executions he's correct. doing. He tells him that so Mark, that gets tells Mark, Mark he's yeah, the last one. He has to do that to get Mark to do what... Because basically he's asked Mark to kill him. Yeah. So he has to get Mark... He yeah. has to keep giving him the sob story, the guilt, making him angry and making him sympathetic. And like now, yeah. what's weird is like to make it full circle, to make it right, instead of not doing something, I need you to, I need you to, to kill me. Correct. And he gives him the knife. Well, he needs Mark to become the monster. He, right. He tells Mark, uh, he tells Mark, now I'm the monster. And he tells him about everything he did. And uh, Richard asks if Anthony was calling, or I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, Richard asks if Anthony was calling for Richard, right? And Mark says, yes. Was he calling my name when he was, when you, and he said, yeah. 
Right, and, and Richard says he still is. Again, so he's talking to him right at that moment. Right. right? He's having that psychotic right. break. And then Richard says, I love you, Anthony, but I can't do it. I'm sorry. And he hands Mark the knife because he knows he's going to do something terrible. And he tells Mark, you were supposed to be the monster. Now I'm the effing beast, right? And so to, back to your point, right? Mark could have stopped all this, but he didn't. He turned Richard into the monster. And so now... Mark has got to become the monster to put an end to this thing. There's only one way to do it, and it's for Mark to kill, kill Richard. Uh, uh, Richard so right. Richard can can finally lay with his brother. Lay with his brother. Said. He says that specifically that he wants to lay with his brother, um, and uh, reminds Mark that he's got kids and and that Richard doesn't know what he's capable of and or what it, what he'll do next, and right. gives uh, Mark some further incentive, I guess, to do. Yeah, which is the whole plan. Yeah. Because he wants to die. So he gives him that knife and, and well, he amps him up to where... Uh, Mark stabs him. Yeah, Mark stabs him, right? I mean, just just basically punctures. Yeah. You know, and, and... And Mark walks out of there, like, Richard... Well, they do the flashbacks again, like, right before that, and they show, like... And the weird thing was, I didn't know, because they show, like, that knife being used, like, all the bad stuff that he's done that you said. Mm-hmm. And then he kills him, and he runs out of there, and he's got blood all over his hands. Mm-hmm. He realizes what he's done, so then I'm thinking, okay, well, now he has to live with that for the rest of his life. Not only has he led to all those guys being killed, he's then... And he could have stopped it, so I still feel whether... He got caught for that or not, we don't know. But I still feel, even though Richard took himself out because he's the monster, the last thing that he left was the eternal guilt. I think that's the dead man's shoes. Yeah. Right? Yes. So dead man's shoes is like... That that term kind of goes back to this idea that you're you're waiting for somebody to to die for their title to pass on, right? Or for roles to change. And I think that's what that title means in this movie is like... The, well, because the, you're walking in Anthony's the whole time. Well, and, and like I mean, he's retracing. Because I also took that as like he's retracing the steps, right? So he's in the dead man's shoes, finding yeah, out. That's another way to look what's at what's going that is, on. Yeah, that's an equally, I think. Uh, but then he's but, the argument. But, but now it continues because like so then Anthony's already dead, right? So he's walking around his shoes, and now Richard makes uh, I always forget the guy's name. Mark. Mark kill him. Yeah. So now Mark. Yeah. He's wearing the dead man's shoes, and it just—it's just this yeah. weird, horrible. Yeah. And and you go away from uh, well, and then that's the that's the end of the movie. You don't walk out of this movie feeling good, no. <laughs> no, that, so that's the end of the movie. No. Him with the blood on the hands, right? And some more great music, and and and. But you you, I thought about this movie for I mean, I'm still thinking about it, because what you feel that you see the first time through is not what you feel the second time, and then when you let it set. You actually realize that, that, like you said, there there ain't no winners here, only losers. No, no it's a it's a tragedy, and you know, every sense of the the word, um, all, all the movie does is kind of help you understand the why of it, or the you know. The, well, and also, it's also like to me, it, it's like you know, it, it's a it's a look at just humans and and you know, wars, fighting, violence. It's all pointless. So like, yeah, for a long time, it's like this thing and you want this revenge and you do that. But then at the very, very end of it, not, you never feel better about it. I mean... No. You're never going to purge that underlying pain. No, the it's, pain it's is even, just going to get past. Like, yeah, the it's even like gonna... when you think like, oh my God, if, if uh, somebody harmed my child, 
like you see that old video of the guy in the courthouse that acted like he was on the payphone to kill that oh yeah that that monster that raped and killed his child mm-hmm. and he hung that phone up and blew that guy's head clean off which god bless him the guy didn't i think he did he didn't do any time in prison because it was a crime of passion or whatever but the thing is is yeah at the time and i i i I feel like I would be that same way because at the time that's what what you think is the right thing to do. You're avenging the death of your child. It's trying to make you feel better. But he, it still doesn't change the fact that it happened. Correct. And and yeah. now he's got to live with all that being no better than the person that did that to his. And he can't. He uh, can't. I mean, not only is he. I think not only is he uh, scared of what he's capable of doing. He also doesn't. He realizes he's become the monster, and he doesn't. He can't live with himself. He's, right, and I would, I would I would argue that that you know I, I don't know how it's possible to do what he did and not get a taste for it and then want to just try to like it's like Dexter right yeah. you know like oh I'm these are bad people that I'm but you're horrible because you you're just you've directed your wanting to kill people onto bad people which is great I mean if you're gonna kill bad people if you're gonna pick somebody to kill it would be the bad people but you're just as sick as they are. Right. Right? You know what right. I mean? Like Dexter, Yeah. he's just as sick as they are. Like, yeah. oh. Well, well and Richard, I think you know, Richard figured that out pretty pretty early into the... But he but he had to do it. He knew this was all wrong. He couldn't stop himself. He, he couldn't because he, because of the guilt yeah. and the shame. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, 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 and I know you were like, I mean, it, it's a, it's a top movie for me because of, it, it, you can think about that movie a million different ways, you know. And and we may have have folks that are listening to this after they've watched it and be like, well, they're missing this or that's not how I took it or however. But, I mean, I, w- I would challenge you to at least watch this movie twice. Yeah. Um, and then go out and buy the soundtrack because it's a fantastic soundtrack. It is a good soundtrack. Uh, a lot, uh, lot of good acoustic stuff. Uh, yeah, just a good r- real somber, good singer songwriter stuff. Yeah, and then they even have that. Uh, Danger Mouse and yeah, it's kind of a cheesy, fun hip hop techno. Is that when they're in the, the car? The gangsters are yeah, in the car. Is that what? Yeah. It's Danger Mouse. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good. You know, I um, it was very economical too. There wasn't really a wasted scene in that movie. It was a tight ninety minutes. Funny that you should say that and because I felt the same way, Ben. But everyone, if you, I was reading reviews and and all this stuff. The most people thought the opposite. Most people thought like that there was a lot of wasted time, and I'm like, are you kidding? I thought it was a tight I, I ninety thought, minutes. I'm like you, and that's the reason I think I loved it so much. It reminded me of the of the the same, and it's not similar movie, but the same feeling I had the first time I saw Clerks. Yeah. There's nothing wasted. No. You have to have every single piece of that to to explain. Yeah. What's going on? No matter how ridiculous or serious the movie is, you know what I mean. It's, I, I it's thought a, it was. It's a perfect movie. It's a perfect movie. I thought so too. It was really efficient. Uh, there's no wasted scenes. I thought it, it wasn't was, over the top. It was always believable. Es- it was always escalating too, yes. right? But believable, even as as crazy as it was, sure. that's that whole movie is 100 percent believable. Well, that think, story I, is 100. I think believable. it had a lot to do with the the aesthetics and just kind yeah, of the just the realness of it. it it had this like i said at the beginning this fly in the, the wall feel and it did a lot of um it did a lot of like show not tell like it was it respected the intelligence of its audience it didn't there was not a whole lot of exposition to kind yeah, of explain very, very texas chainsaw massacre in that regard where you just what you you see enough to realize what really went on yeah well and I, it horrifies you 
Correct. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of not even some of the, the violent, I guess, scenes or whatever, but that part where Anthony's telling him about how, well, it's clear that Anthony looked up to him. He's telling him about the story when he, uh, Richard came to his school and how Richard told him, you know, you don't need to hold my, my hand. And that was enough to communicate, man, Richard is really ashamed and embarrassed of, without saying it sort of explicitly, it's, it's very, and that was like the only time in the movie until the very end when he admits to Mark that, yeah, I was embarrassed. He was, I think he calls him a spaz or spastic or whatever. He was a spaz head or something. Spaz head or something. I think he says spastic at at the end. Um, But there's, you know that he is motivated uh, not only by revenge, I think, but by uh, guilt over how he treated his brother, regret for sort of leaving him uncared for where these guys were able to take advantage of him while he was gone. Yeah. Um, and they do that without saying it in any real like overt way, right? It's it's they don't yeah, say you, anything you, more you, than you don't they need get, to. You don't get the details, the backstory. Where are the parents? Are the parents gone? Like, how do you end up with these guys? It, it, that, none of that matters. Yeah. Because they boil it down to what matters in this story. Yeah. And and they don't they don't add anything. They don't deduct anything. It's 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 all perfectly. It is. There, a, there's there's nothing wasted. And and. It escalates, right? The tension and the stakes get higher and higher. And that first day and day one, he's just that's some psychological fuckery, right? He's not yeah, he hasn't killed anybody on the day yeah, one. He's just getting in their heads. Right. And then like Rent free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it just go it, it the stakes both in the present day and in the flashbacks just get kind of ratcheted up, ratcheted up right until the end. And right, so you're that, right. That's that what parallel line the movie has like any good like short story has momentum that kind of pulls you forward, right? If it were Continuing on at the same, um, you know, velocity or, or, but no, this movie is is constantly escalating from beginning and end yes. to end. And well, in, 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 in a believable way, the, the violence was believable, the deaths were believable. There, there was no, the violence was real. Yeah. It wasn't over the top. It, it that's why it, it hit home for me because disturbingly real. All of it. Yeah. There wasn't one thing, and that's the thing is, is you're locked in watching that the whole time. There's not usually there's something that'll take you away, like oh, like Rainbow, or this is bullshit, you know. The, the, but I mean, it it. And it all seemed like the actions of a maniac. I mean, every. But and it got you. But like, what's weird is like that movie took you through every range of emotion. Yeah. I mean, you get nostalgic, you get sad, you get angry. You get guilty. You feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You laugh. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the strangest thing. And then, like, and then I ended it the first time, like, wow. But I still felt, I still felt like he was right. Like, I still felt for Richard. And then the more you think about every, it's just, dude, that movie's, like, that movie's way heavier when you, afterwards, when you sit and process, process yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it shocking it. at times when you're watching it, and, and it's it's disturbing and uncomfortable. Yeah. But then when you start thinking about it, it's heavy, man. What got me with the Richard character, as played by you know Patty Considine, is uh, just he injected a lot of pathos into this, the, the role where you just you feel sad for him, and you pity him, and you know he doesn't really want to be doing what he's doing. He warns these guys, he warns Sonny, get out of town. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm coming for all of you. He doesn't want to do this right. stuff. And right. it, and he's got this like look in his eye or on his face or whatever. It reminds you like, st- st- like early Stallone, 
Like, yeah. He was a sympathetic figure, like in the, the first Rocky movie and in Rambo too, kind of playing uh, tortured soul, right? And you could just, I don't know how you even act that, like or the, the kind of emote sadness like that, where you just kind of feel bad for him. This real kind of poignant, poignant performance where he yeah. oozes regret, he oozes guilt. I don't know. He was. It was well, it's very, well done. Just very human. And then Ant- the whole movie's very human. The guy, I don't have his name, but the guy that played Anthony was yeah, great. The guy that played Sonny, his name was Gary Stretch, and he's a former lightweight middle, or light middleweight boxer, and he's a former model as well. <laughs> wow. That was he wanted I to get. He wanted to get into movies after his career, and that's kind of how he got into it. Hmm. Um, I know you got an early morning. Um, you want to go for a couple more minutes? Are you good? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah listen, we can rest um, I, I just, I, I thank you for being willing to do this with me. Yeah, um, like I said, I was nervous, but it, it paid off. It was, it was fun, it man. Was, like now on the backside, it was it was fun, and I've found a movie that I will, I hate to say the word cherish, but I will. I did mean, you wind up buying it? I, of course I did, yeah. When, yeah. You, when you told, I mean, I, I try, like, when you told me, I, I mean, I was going to do it anyway, but when you were like, just buy it, I'm like, okay. I knew then. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna buy this, you know. Yeah. So I just, yeah, it was like 9.99, whatever. And, and that's I why I bought it because I knew I was gonna watch it two times and it was gonna be almost the same to, to buy it. Right. So. It would have been eight bucks or whatever. And, but yeah. I want, I want to let people that I know log in to watch it. I want to have my wife watch it. I mean, my wife got sucked into it. She didn't. She missed the first part. She wasn't in. Oh, room. good. Okay, so that okay. she liked that's, it. She, okay. I mean. She was into it, put it that way, like transfixed by it. And, was she um, really for Richard at a certain point in the movie? She understood. I think she understood. Richard. I think my wife's gonna be like. I, yeah, I get this on some level. Yeah, yeah and then, but then she'll, cause I, I was the same. I mean, I was like. Yeah. Yeah. When when you found out that those guys were were molesting him, oh, and yeah. they were giving him crack, I was. I well, mean, it's I like was, uh, the oh. only thing I can compare it to is like uh, in a Time to Kill, Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. character when you know yeah. his daughter. Yeah. Um. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but man, you like hate it when it's happening to you and you're watching it. But then when you, you let it settle, I, that... I, I love that movie. Yeah, I hate, yeah. I hate it, but because it, but it, it, it's, it's just, it's one of the more realistic movies with that type of storyline. That and I like when cool. stuff is is, it feels like you and I could turn on the TV and read about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It feels it's gritty real. real life. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about like comparable movies. I was thinking about so I mentioned the kind of the parallels. To Rambo, at least the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Death Wish, you know, in Charles a way. Bronson, Charles Bronson. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was actually going to bring that up. He uh, was a very Charles Bronson-like character when he was doing the. Yeah. Just very cool, calculated. Yeah. No remorse. No, no, just cold-blooded. Well, there was no <laughs> pomp and circumstance around it. Like he took yeah. Sonny in that kitchen, and just two seconds later, it was right. done. Right? right. There was no. Again, you know, I love that part too. I hate the. I hate the fake. I just, I mean, because if, if you're, if you've snapped and you've lost in real life, that's what it's going to be like. Yeah. Bag on the head, pop. Just very Done. matter of fact. Right. They didn't build um, it up like, because if it was a, a fake movie, they would have built it up. Sonny would have been the last one and they would have had this. Right. You know. And he was, he was like the fourth from last yeah. or. Second to last one to go, right. Because they, they. Well, take, second to last in that house and then yeah, plus and then Mark at the end is like third to last. Right. Um, yeah. Taxi driver. And then sort of the psychotic break there. Mm-hmm. And then. Joker, which was heavily inspired by the taxi driver, it, it reminded me of Joaquin Phoenix's yeah. character in Joker. It kind of, it kind of, there were some parts in it that reminded me of Clockwork Orange. I, at least the same feeling that I get from it a little bit. Yeah. Like, just that feel, you know, like you know, I'm trying to explain it. Uh, uh, it's the same feeling you get from 
The same feeling I got watching that was yeah. similar to the feeling that I have when I watch Clapper Corn. Disturbed is probably a too simple way to put it, but... Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah, it's, just... It's a mind F. A little, just, little shocking. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about, like, okay, Anthony was dead all along. Is this one of those dead all along movies, and is that cliche? And I don't, I don't know. Like, I no, don't... but to your point, they, yeah. that was efficient. efficient the way they, they told that was efficient. There was nothing wasted. You got a lot across with doing that. So. Yeah, and there were clues there. I mean, if you would have known from the beginning, yeah. you would have uh, seen it. Uh, second watch, I, you know, obviously it was pretty obvious that. Yeah, I just had read Anthony, the synopsis, so as soon as I, as soon as you, I saw him take him, and then he, and well, I, I shouldn't say I knew, knew, but I speculated when he took him on the first one. Yeah. And then, he, then he was like, "Oh, you can wait here." And then even when he took him on that one, remember he was like, he made him wait at the table, and then he comes out. Yeah. So then I was like. But I had read the synopsis, so I was like, okay, well, that's this is a, in his head. Right. But if I had not read the synopsis, you wouldn't I believe it would have taken me. I, I didn't. You read me the synopsis, and it just that part didn't right, register. Right. I think I would have been more reason. like you. you. You would have figured out it about I, a third of the way in. Before after the, way. the big reveal. Like, before, yeah. like, there was no reason. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, other movies where the characters dead all, like, dead all along, Sixth Sense, you know, is probably the one that everybody See, what's knows. weird, though, is, like, I knew that early on, too. Did you? Yeah. I didn't, but I was, I don't know. Um, the others when the Kidman. I ruined Kidman. that for a lot of people. And, and we watched that. I remember we were in the apartment and uh, I watched that. And I was like, oh, he's dead. And they're like, what? And then at the end of the movie, they're all like, have you? And you're like the dude that they, the, the term spoiler alert, yes. like that, that originated from But you. I didn't even mean, because I didn't even really know, right? I was just throwing it out there. Yeah. And I just shut my mouth when I have my, my theories. There's not too, there's not as many movies as I thought where like the main character, one of the main characters, is dead all along. Like, there's just a handful. I, did you know the? Did you did you figure it out? Uh, not death, but like Book of Eli. Did you figure out he was blind? Um, I didn't watch that movie all the way through. Oh really? No. I like that movie, and I don't even no. like Denzel. He's one of my least favorite, but I like that movie. No, I did not. I like Training Day, but now I'm getting off on a tangent. Denzel's great. His son is great too. Um, Jacob's Ladder, Tim Robbins. You love that movie? I love. I own it. I, lo- I love that movie. That's one of my all-time favorite. That's movies. another one where, like, he's having. If I remember correctly, he's having like. Uh, well, he's like a Vietnam vet. He comes back from the war. It's but all it's psychological. A, it's, but he's you're right. It's the a same. dying. A dying. A, it's the same feeling. You're right. That is Jacob Slatter. Um, I just. I literally just bought that. That's like, a great. I haven't seen it in forever, so I, it, I mean, it, it, a little it, sketchy on the deets, but. <laughs> so I have it on my Voodoo. You can log in and watch it, and it's still fantastic because it, it's nostalgic. Yeah. But. It, it doesn't hold up. Doesn't hold up. The story, well. but, but the, the the look, it's just you and I probably remember it from when we we're about eleven, twelve. Oh yeah, we were young dudes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So and I hadn't watched it for. It mostly holds up as an adult though. Mostly. One of my favorite things to do is to go back and see these movies I've seen a handful of and times, but as up. a forty-two-year-old, just to see it through the eyes of an adult, because so much stuff I appreciate way much more than I did yeah. when I. You know, or vice versa, younger. like my son is watching. Uh, I, he, I I bought both seasons of the original He-Man, mm-hmm. and he's been watching He-Man. Yeah. And that was my jam back in the day, right? Like okay. He-Man, Thundercats, Voltron. Me too, yeah. Yeah, Transformers. G.I. Joe, so Mask, I remember Mask? Oh, I love Mask. I still have all my original Mask toys. We should have really? them. Really? Yeah, all the little guys, all the, in, in the original some box. Coin. Yeah, I should, I should see. But but I um uh have been watching He-Man with him, and it's the same. It's the weird feeling, because like, I have such, like, I mean, I... I there was nothing more important for a period of my life than He-Man, right? Yeah. And now watching it, like, with him, seeing it through adult eyes, of course it's, like, hokey, but it's also very, very, like, 
compared to the crap that kids are watching today. Yeah. Like, he doesn't kill the bad guys. He doesn't, you know. It's okay for him to watch. There's no concerns about. Not, well, I was his age when I watched that. Yeah. Like, he watches, he, we, we started watching it a, a little bit of the Voltron. That's a, that's a little, it's way darker than I, that, that's why I didn't feel bad. Because I'm like, I watched this at his age. Yeah. I didn't realize how dark that shit was. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched that. In, it's I'm, pretty dark, man. And and then uh, Thundercats, which we watched a little bit of Thundercats, and mm-hmm. even he said, Drew's like, uh, yeah, Daddy, I, I think I'll try this when I'm a little older. Like, it was yeah. just a little too much. A little too much for But me. to your, I digress, but seeing things both ways. Like, yeah. So, I'll, I mean, you know, that's just my way of saying I would be interested in going back and checking out yeah, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Uh, Remind me, I'll text you my voodoo. You can log okay. and watch it because I just bought that like a month ago because I had thought about it for the first time in like 20 years and I was like, oh, and it was like 4.99. I'm like, yeah. Buy. purchase, yeah, yeah. A dollar more than it would be to rent it. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Um, Donnie Darko, another great one. Dies in one timeline at least, right? Yes. He's dead all along in one timeline. That's true. Great movie. We're gonna have to do a well. show on on that movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to read And then that Vanilla movie. Sky, which I think is an underrated. Uh, That's the Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise one. movie. Yeah. And Charlie's, th- or I mean Cameron Diaz. Uh, Cameron Diaz, and then uh, I have not Penelope seen it, Cruz. But I Penelope yeah. Cruz, yeah. Yeah. Um, where he's he ends up he's dead halfway through the movie and put in a cryopreserved state. That's and, a Kubrick film, isn't it? No, it's. What uh, am I thinking of? What's uh, the Kubrick? Cameron Crowe. Eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. That's another Tom Cruise film. Yes. Um, movies about guilt, regret, or grief. Three billboards outside of uh, Ebbing, Missouri. You ever see that? Francis no, McDormand. I heard about that. I heard it's fantastic. Sam Rockwell. Okay. The, the British caddy, uh, Patty Constantine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Manchester by the Sea is great. Casey Affleck. I don't I've know if you ever saw Manchester that. Manchester by the Sea, no. Not going to spoil it. Uh, Insomnia, which is a Chris Nolan movie with yes. Al Pacino. Yes. That's great. Uh, the Descendants with George Clooney I like. Thomas Paine movie. I don't movie. think I've ever seen that one. The Machinist, Christian Bale. Yes, Christian Bale. That, that is it. Where yes. he's riddled with guilt. Yes. In Bruges with Colin Bru- Farrell. Oh, I that's love a great, Bruges. That's a great, that's a great movie. soundtrack as well. It is a great soundtrack. Great, great performance soundtrack. by Colin Farrell. Uh, 21 Grams, a little bit pretentious, but still pretty good. It's Benicio Del Toro, Naomi Watts, and Sean Penn. And then there's three horror movies that deal with guilt, regret, grief. That I, and I haven't seen any of them, but I want to see all three. Hereditary, which is supposed to be great. Midsommar, or Midsommar. I've heard of it. And uh, the Babadook. You ever heard of that? See, I, I, I can't watch horror films because I used to be a big horror film guy when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I loved all that stuff, and Kristen is is not not into that. So I've just like, God, we've been married. I don't. I, will just, I just don't. It's not once my. Once in a while, I'll sneak one in, you know. Yeah. But dude, I, I that was my jam back when I was teenager and. Well, I'm not going to challenge you to one of these tonight, but maybe this is we a should, future challenge. I got something else then for I got you tonight. Excuse to, to watch it. Well. We'll put that on the to-do list. Right. I got something else for you tonight. I just want to say one more thing about this movie, and then I'll give you the kind of last word on the movie. Oh, no, no. I, I, I've said my piece. All right. So I will say – so I'm reading this George Saunders book uh, right now called uh, Swim in the Pond in the Rain, right? Okay. In the in the book, he is uh, using these seven short stories by Russian uh, authors, uh, including uh, Tolstoy and Chekhov. He has you read the stories, and then he analyzes the stories, kind of like what we're doing here, but okay. much better. Um, <laughs> he analyzes the stories to tell you why they work, what's effective with the stories, to make you a better writer. Okay. So it's really oh, the, I see. I see. Yeah, the yeah. book is about it's how like to become... like engineering stories to then tell you how they're... That's exactly right. It's about how to um, become a better reader and then how to leverage your... Uh, enhanced reading skills to become a better writer if you're interested interesting it's also a lot about life as well right okay. and the kind of because these 
authors were moralists, right, and wrote about big the big the big questions, right. Um, so he's explaining in this book this um, short story by Ivan Turgenev called The Singers, um, and he's trying to um, trying to kind of capture what Ivan Turgenev is trying to say in this story, and and where he lands is that. What, what the author is trying to say in the story is that the highest aspiration of art is to move an audience. If the audience, and if the audience is moved, technical deficiencies are immediately forgiven. So just to paraphrase that, art is allowed to be clunky if it moves us, right? And I kind of feel like uh, that applies to this this movie. I don't think this was a clunky movie at all. We just no, got no, to no, talking about how technically efficient it is, but like it feels low budget even though it's, it feels real. It feels no, I know, low yeah, budget. I know exactly. There are like a couple little things that bothered me. Yeah. One being that these gang members seem to be pretty damn old. They seem to be like in their thirties to be like doing this prank stuff. If even old. Not prank, not prank stuff, tormenting this yeah. kid, but like b- bullies, right? There's, they're, they're horrible, horrible, extreme bullies, but it's it still got like a flavor of bullyism to me. And these mm-hmm. guys seem a little bit old to be doing mm-hmm. That that bothered yeah, me a little bit. for some reason, because they were British, like I accepted it. You let it slide. I don't know why. That's so, a horrible thing to say, right? Yeah. So may, I mean, maybe these guys are a little, little bit too old to be pulling pranks on each other, like not so much the Anthony stuff, but on each other. And, and but we all know people that never have grown up. We so do. Um, that's the other real thing about it. So right. even if this movie has a little bit, a couple little flaws or things to nitpick, right? Um, and it's maybe My maybe clumsy in that way or feels a little homemade or whatever it still had an effect on me a big effect on me i'm still thinking about this movie in the same way that yeah. you are and so i think i think I, we had similar experiences which i think is fantastic yeah i think george is, is spot on that you know art is allowed to be a little bit clunky if we're moved by it mm-hmm. it's the, the main goal is to make you feel something in that, that movie the point, right yeah that made that movie made me me feel something so. by the way i love that you're a mid forties white man wearing a death row T shirt. I love that. You like that? I, love that t- I, I, yeah. I meant to tell you when I walked in. I love that T shirt. <laughs> He's wearing a death row records T shirt. It's fantastic. I won't. Uh, I'm not ashamed about my affinity for gangster. Oh, yeah. are you kidding me? It's one of my. Um, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I was just um, listening to a little Slick Rick the other day. Well, it's not really gangster, but, but uh, you know, not not being too huge on like assault weapons and having two daughters. I, I have a weird time squaring that. You're a studio my, gangster. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> I'm a complicated man because I love me some some '90s gangster rap. Whatever, man. <laughs> Who doesn't, dude? Um, all right. So, anything else before we turn to the channel? No, I, I just want to thank you for for agreeing to do this. Um, I know it always takes us a while because we have busy lives, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad that we both came away with with very similar feelings on this movie. Um, I'm not surprised, but. Now this has become a secret source of sustenance. This it has. I didn't. Right. I didn't know that it would. Yeah. I'm glad that it did. Yeah. I'm glad we took the chance. Yeah. It'll encourage me to take more chances like this down yeah. the road. Yeah, both of us. We can push um, each other to take. Uh, yeah. So for now, though, I'm going to give you a secret source of okay. sustenance for me. All right. Give it to and me. Uh, I did a little bit of foreshadowing talking about George Saunders. I'm going to give you two okay. short stories by George Saunders, and okay. you will be pleased to know. That one is just 23 pages. The other one is just 36 pages. Okay. So I'm talking less than 60 pages total, right? It'd probably be easier for me to read than try to squeeze in a movie too. So that's good. Um, you could do it 
you know, while your wife is washing Grace Anatomy. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's <laughs> um, when I will do it. Dude, I, you I laugh, read, but that's when I will do it. I read all the time, okay, and it's because usually I need something to do while I'm waiting, and I have a wife and two daughters, so I'm waiting around a, a lot. lot. So you I always have it. a book on standby, and I get nervous. Like some people chain smoke cigarettes, right? And they have to. They get nervous. They get anxious if they don't have that next pack, so like you, pre-bought. You read books, yeah. I I like light one book off off of the last book. I'll put a book down, finish it, and I pick up the next one, and then go on Amazon and order the one. Are you are, are you that. are you doing this on like Kindle? No. No, good, to, good. to hell with Kindles. Okay, You'll see this when I give you my books. No, I love it. I, 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 I still have two that I we got to do one on that. Yeah, yeah. This is different from no, that. No, I know, um, but, but yeah, I do have those. They're hidden back behind my books, so nobody messes with them. Yeah, That's so you, you will gave see. Me those in like October. Right. I apologize. It's fine. We're busy people. Um, <laughs> and and the books I'm going to give you tonight, and those books you will see my my highlighting methodology. Okay. And then on second read, sometime I'll go back and highlight with a double. With second color. Okay. So like if you see two highlights, it's like That's oh shit, important. he must have thought that was really something resonating, right? right. right. Um, and then should I triple highlight? Then my shit, <laughs> highlight away, it won't no, offend me. Scary. And then on the last page of the book, like in the back, I, I put page numbers that stuff that I want to, to go, go back, back to, yeah, and then the page numbers that are really important, I circle. Uh, dude, this it's, is this is what I would do. It's, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Neurotic. No, I'm, I would do the same thing. Um, I'm fine with it. Okay, so Civil War Land and Bad Decline. Came out in 92. It was originally published in 92. 23 pages. So it's about this theme park. It's a Civil War themed theme park um, that is struggling financially because these teenagers are breaking in, vandalizing the place, and scaring off all the old people that okay. attend this this theme park, Civil War theme park. And the main character, the protagonist, is this guy whose his main job is to make sure everything's authentic. So he goes around inspecting the park for authenticity, okay. like both the way people are dressed and making sure they're in character and all the props and okay. all the, everything. Um, and he's a yes man. He's a okay. real yes man. And it, it's yes really man. about, yeah. Yeah. And you'll like, this is a satire on the yes man. It is a satire on corporate culture, which is a lot, runs up through a lot of George Saunders work. And it's about how we kind of bend our morals in the interest of our careers sometimes and hate ourselves for it. And it's about, you know, kind of doing that, thinking we're helping out our family. We're doing this for our family. We're willing to work 12 to 14 hours a day. Right. Ring a bell. Right. In the interest of our family and how it sometimes has the opposite effect of what you, yeah, it, what it's, you intend. It's bad for our family. Yeah. And he really gets kind of into the absurdity of corporate life. You'll, you'll love it. I think. Yeah, I no, think. I, yeah, especially and, right now. And then the second, yeah, the second book is called, or the second story is called uh, The 10th of December. It was first published in 2011 in the New Yorker. And uh, it's a sweeter story, still really good though. It's about this man who's got terminal cancer and he's going out to the woods by his house on the 10th of December to end his life because he's got end stage cancer and he doesn't want his family to have to care for him. God bless him. Right, so he goes out to off himself, and then he comes across this kid. I can't remember how old the kid is, but he's probably like you know eight or ten, young young boy, um, who uh, real precocious kid who's got a wild imagination. He's out there having uh, like an adventure, right? He's pretending, mm-hmm. and he falls through the ice. And so this this man who's out to kill himself has he's the only one out there that sees this kid is falling through the ice, and he's got to do something, and how it changes, you know. 
him. So those are the two stories. Okay. Both are in collections of short stories, and these two stories are the um, give title to both those books. So Tenth of December is a collection of short stories and a story in the story. So oh, I'm okay. Read that. Okay. Same thing with Civil War and Bad, Bad Decline. It's a collection of stories and then a story in the story. Okay. So. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. It's like the name, it. like name of an album. And the, <coughs> the album track is on the album. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Right. I got you. Um, all right. Anything else to add here? No, dude. This was great. I'm. I'm. I just. All I can tell everybody out there is. Uh, is watch. Well, hopefully you did watch. But and, and give us some feedback. Yeah, we. Right. Like, we paused it. We put in a sound effect and we gave you time. Yeah, to we go got. Watch the we movie. got. And I always have to. Uh, you. You give the email real quick. Um, SSOSpod at gmail And then uh, our our the, the shows. Um, I can't get my damn. The uh, so so we have a, we have a show Twitter and that is at s s o s pod uh, and and basically what I've been doing is is that when a show comes out I'll I'll kind of post some post things I, I probably need to be more active in between maybe leading up to we can talk about yeah that. it's all right um, but yeah so so hit us up with email uh, follow us on on Twitter I think we've got. Six or seven followers now. Wow. Uh, yeah. Making progress. Yeah. And, um, like, give us some of your secret sources of sustenance. Like, you know, I mean, you, you, you've you heard enough here. We're, we're, I think this is our fourth or fifth episode. Yeah, we're, we're, we just proved uh, that we're willing to take a chance and yeah, man, do was, something either one of us has seen. It was, yeah. was paid off big it, time. It, it did pay off, so it's just another thing that we'll put in our, our arsenal. And, and I know that uh, Ben challenged me tonight, and hopefully we can – we've talked about this, but – Again, um, thanks to all the folks that have helped put this together and, and issue for the, for the music from Dallas, yeah. Texas, issuemusic.com, at Issue Music on Twitter. Uh, we're really looking forward to trying to get um, the brainchild of, of Issue on the show, JT Mudd, to uh, uh, interview him about the band and, and yeah. what he's up to. And We've talked about that for a couple episodes. We haven't really yeah, reached I, out I need, to schedule anything. We, yeah, I, I, need, need to. I need to get with him. I, I was looking today. I know that he has a, uh, he has a new single release. Um, I think on like the 28th okay. of May. Um, so maybe before or after then we'll just uh, get him on and, and that may be a two-parter because it may be a, a, long, long. a longer one if it, you know, depending on how he's up to it. But uh, I think that'll be fun. We'll do some interviews and, and move along. And I think that we won't say any names, but I think that you've got some folks that are, that are musically uh, inclined and, and yeah. we could maybe interview those. So, I mean, I think this thing's going to grow and, and we're going to do different things and, I mean, at the end of the day, though, let's face it, this is just a, an excuse for us to get together and have some mental stimulation and a couple beers and yeah, and and talk about the things that, that, know, that we love. I know weeknight, and, nonetheless. And this feels great. It, it 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 really does. It energizes me. Like I was so mad and angry when I came over here. Just yeah, I can uh, I can I vouch good. for that. I feel good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad glad to hear it. Well, um, stick around, I guess. We're gonna after the outro song, we're gonna play the ballad of Mr. Toad by Mr. Bill. And uh, otherwise, we'll wrap it up here. And thanks to Bill for the great comments. Uh, I don't know Bill, but but cheers to you, right, Bill? The gentleman, yeah, Bill, yeah. Father's and friend that gave us the nice compliment. That's correct. And hey, thanks to Phil for the feedback. For, here we yeah, know. for making fun of the Abbott brothers. Yeah. Brave yeah. brothers, however we say that. All right. So this is Ben and Bob sending out in SSOS. See ya. Thank you for listening to Secret Sources of Sustenance. We'd like to thank Ishi from Dallas, Texas for allowing us to use their music in our podcast. Check them out at ishimusic.com, Ishi Music on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, 
at Ishy Music on Twitter. Their music is available on all major streaming platforms. Thank you as well to David Thexton at David Thexton Photography for allowing us to use his photo in our cover art. Please visit davidthextonphotography.com for more of his amazing work. And thank you for the production help we've received from Marquee Creative. For commercial, corporate, or any video or audio production help you need, visit marqueecreativekc.com. As promised, here is the Ballad of Mr. Toad by Mr. Bill. Hey, whoever's listening, it's Bill here. Long time ago, um, gosh, I'm trying to think when I started work there in 1970, I think. I worked in a place called Wolverine Aluminum where I met uh, what turned out to be a lot of my lifetime best friends, Eileen and I both. Anyway, I worked with... Uh, remarkable man named Mark and we had we had a lot of fun working together watched the kids grow up Mark ended up having two amazing kids uh, one I'll give a shout out to Ben he has a uh, what do you call it a podcast on TV now or on the on the radio or internet whatever you call it called the secrets of <laughs> what is it secrets of sustenance um, and anyway, not to get off in too many different directions, I'm um, just giving a shout out to him and his, his sister Becky. They've turned into remarkable adults, great adults. Anyway, without further ado, this is a song I wrote about their dad, Mark, back in the good years when we were all having fun. Unfortunately, Mark passed away a number number of years ago from alcohol. But in spite of all that. The times that we all had together mean something, and the memories mean a lot. So his nickname was Toad. I don't know where he came up with that. It's called The Ballad of Mr. Toad. I was Mr. Bill. He was Mr. Toad. Anyway, this is for you, Mark.
man's song to see what Rico would say. I'll laugh about it till this very day. character and we put on Halloween masks one time, went into the bar and sat down beside him. He knew exactly who we were. <laughs> we were just some real characters. Anyway, I miss you, Mark, tremendously. Uh, love to all. Bye-bye.